This is Thank with DJ Tequesta, your favorite 70s funk podcast. I'm DJ Tequesta, a music head, historian, Haitian, Nututkote, <laughs> and big ass nerd. This podcast will explore the different 70s funk scenes and cities across the United States of America. If you love music and history, you've come to the right place. For each funk scene, we're going to talk about the indigenous history, who the black women were, the best songs to smoke to, and more. Each episode is accompanied by a playlist curated by me, DJ Tequesta, on YouTube and Spotify. So sit back and relax, because it's time to get stank, y'all. In the 1970s, KC and the Sunshine Band exploded onto the scene of the Magic City, capturing the nation with their number one hit, Get Down Tonight. Less commonly known is that the original name of the band was KC and the Sunshine Junkanoo Band. Junkanoo is a tradition of Bahamas and signals to the contributions of black Bahamians to the city of Miami and its music scene. But I'm getting ahead of myself because to break down Miami funk, we gotta go way back first. Depending on your sources, the peoples of the place we now call Miami settled here about two to 3,000 years ago, migrating down from the northern part of Florida to settle on Biscayne Bay and the surrounding Everglades. Something to consider, all these Indian names, and those given later, were names given by their colonizers, mostly Europeans. The presumed names will be recorded phonetically by different writers and explorers. So these folks were recorded under many different names, such as the Tequesta, Tejesta, Chiquesta, and Vizcainos. Yeah, I don't know where that one came from either. <laughs> but for today, we'll use Tequesta as the identifying name. The Tequesta were well adapted to the Everglades environment. The area was rich with resources for food, tools, and weapons. So much so that the Tequesta did not engage in any agricultural activities. They were strictly hunters and gatherers. They preyed on animals from the sea and land, while harvesting the wild berries, nuts, and fruits that grew abundant around them. They drilled straight into the famous limestone bedrock of Miami with handmade tools to create huts, burial mounds, and communal temples. They charted the movement of the stars too. Shout out to them Virgos, keeping track of the seasons and the migratory patterns that change with them. The Tequesta believed that everything had its own spirit and that humans possessed three souls, in the shadow, in the pupil, and in the reflection. As isolated as the Tequesta lived, there is evidence of cultural artifacts from distant civilizations. Evidence shows they have built an extensive trading network that provided them with mine axes, exotic pottery pieces, and other treasures from around the world. When the Spanish colonizers first encountered the Tequesta in 1513, these South Florida natives numbered up to 20,000. Many of the Tequesta fell to the Spaniards, but the two sides eventually became allies. The Spanish had ambition to convert the natives to Catholicism and exploit mutual trading. The 1700s were an especially tough period for the Tequesta. The English, with colonies in Georgia, North Carolina, and South Carolina, armed their Indian allies with English muskets to raid the Tequesta, selling them into slavery to provide labor for their plantations. By 1763, when Spain surrendered Florida to Britain, the Tequesta numbered only about 300, representing about 80 families and other natives who had taken refuge in the Florida Keys. The Spanish requested the governor of Cuba send ships to rescue these remaining Tequesta. 
They were evacuated to Cuba, and that is the last record of the Tequesas' existence. However, as time went on and the city of Miami got built up, echoes of the Tequesta have been unearthed. In 1896, Julia Tuttle gave a plot of land to Henry Flagler, and he extended his railroad to stop at his newest venture, the Royal Palm Hotel. A Tequesta borough mine was found and destroyed to make way for Miami's first hotel. About 50 to 60 skeletons were found, and guests could purchase Tequesta Indian skulls as souvenirs. In 1985, there were reports that the Miami Dolphins football team were building a stadium on top of a Tequesta borough mound for the then-named Joe Robbie Stadium. Archaeologists claimed that the two acres of burial mounds were more than 1,000 years old. And most recently, in 1998 and 2004, multiple excavation sites called Miami Circle 1 and Miami Circle 2 have been found in downtown Miami, with archaeologists claiming these were evidence of religious and living quarters. About five miles north of the Miami Circle 1 and Miami Circle 2 is where we find Johnny's Record Shop at 5994 Northwest 22nd Avenue in Liberty City, the birthplace of Deep City Records, Florida's first black-owned record label. But of course, we can't talk about Liberty City without talking about Overtime, or its original name, the Central Negro District, Miami's colored town. The Central Negro District's founding was a direct result of the Jim Crow laws, which put anti-black segregation into practice in several ways, including the establishment of specific neighborhoods for black residents. In the 1890s, many black folks from the southern states and the Caribbean flocked to Miami to help build the Florida East Coast Railroad, owned by Henry Flagler. Yep, the same guy. Located about two miles northwest of the Miami Circle, this neighborhood flourished. It became known as the Harlem of the South, with its Northwest 2nd Avenue strip also known as Little Broadway. It was the center of black life in Miami with a robust business community and an explosive nightlife. When you're looking for a good time, the highs were to be found here. There was just so much talent in the Central Negro District as many black folks did their best to strive for the riches of life. And word is, the name Overtime came from black folks traveling from Coconut Grove as they had to go over white downtown Miami to get to the district, often going over town. And in Overtown is where we find Dorothy Fields. Dorothy Fields was born on December 31st, 1942. She went to Booker T. Washington High School and became a librarian for Miami-Dade Public Schools. In the 1970s, while preparing curriculum, Fields found that there was no information about South Florida's black history in any school or public library. She couldn't find a way, so she made a way. In 1977, Fields established the Black Archives, History, and Reacher's Foundation, a photographic repository containing the legacies of Miami's black community. She initially began collecting oral histories from older black residents living in Overtown. Over 40 years since the Black Archives was founded, it's thriving as a national resource and source of pride for black Miami. It is located at the historic Lyric Theater down Little Broadway, on Northwest 2nd Avenue and 8th Street. Dorothy Fields is an exemplar of the talent and drive that exists in Overtown. Yet, with all this magic, the Central Negro District could be a hard place to live. Housing was often very crowded and went without many municipal services. In response, the Liberty City Square housing project was opened in 1937. 
It was the second housing project built in the country and was placed on the outskirts of the all-white Liberty City suburbs. The Liberty Square housing project came from the New Deal, a political act that infused local communities with resources from the federal government. A migration of upwardly mobile, middle-income black folks from Overtown to Liberty City soon followed Liberty Square's opening. During the 1940s and 50s, Liberty Square was one of the most desirable apartment developments for black folks in the country. It was inhabited by the who's who's of Miami's black community. With Liberty City rising, Overtown was still the place to be up until the 1960s, when the town was devastated by actions of the local state and federal government. One interesting facet of USA history is the use of highway construction in destabilizing black communities. Across the empire, these highways have caused destructions of tens of thousands of black businesses, black homes, and black dreams. Overtown was no exception. In the 1960s, two highways, the I-95 and I-395, were constructed in the heart of Overtown splitting the area into four quadrants and displacing close to 80% of the population. This curated chaos manufactured poverty in dire conditions, and there would be no state intervention for relief. The destruction of Overtown created another wave of migration to Liberty City. The actions of the state created more poverty and destitution for both of the towns, with the impact still in full effect today. To learn more about the Central Negro District, I highly recommend the 2016 book, A World More Concrete, Real Estate and the Remaking of Jim Crow South Florida by N.D.B. Connolly. Y'all know I'm a history nerd and this book is one of my favorites. Connolly goes into greater analysis and detail about the history of Miami. Connolly's insight is incredible, particularly his formulation on the middle managers of Jim Crow. A link to the book is in the show notes, so go ahead and check it out. By the time we get to Johnny's record shop in 1963, Liberty City and Overtown had seen their fair share of highs and lows. However, the ambition, talent, and audacity of Black Miami folks was still as high as ever. Deep City Records was started by Willie Clark and Johnny Pearsall in the back of Johnny's record shop. These boys became friends while attending college in Tallahassee at Florida A&M University, also known as FAMU. Willie Clark was lead drummer in A&M's famous March 100 band and majored in art education. Johnny Pearsall was a business education major, who didn't play an instrument, but had an entrepreneurial spirit and all the latest hit records. They both came back to Miami after FAMU and used their paychecks as school teachers to create their dreams together. The name Deep City came from the idea that Miami was the deepest city in the South. Deep City Records operated from 1964 to 1968 but set the foundation for the Miami sound we all know and love today. Pearsall and Clark recorded so much of the local and national black talent that Miami had to offer, including Helene Smith and Betty Wright. Betty Wright garnered more national fame, but some folks will tell you Helene Smith is Miami's first lady of soul. She was the first artist to record for Deep City and the only artist on the label to record a full-length album. Deep City Records closure in 1968 was set the tone for the music scene of 1970s Miami. There are many names called as the origin of the Miami sound, but you will never tell a complete story of Miami music without Overtown 
en Deep City Records. Now that we've set the scene, let's get into the music. We're going to highlight different songs from the playlist for my smokers, my steppers, and my conspiracy brothers that capture the different sounds and themes of 1970s Miami. For my smokers, we have to start off with Get Into The Party Life by Little Beaver. This might be one of my favorite songs of all time. Little Beaver was in his bag with lyrics that help you wind down and guitar play that will have you reaching the highest of highs. Next for my smokers is You Are My Star by Paulette Reeves. This song can be heard single, but I recommend you have a boo with this one. Look into their eyes and let the smoke fill the air. Paulette Reeves just glides on the track with melodic guitar play that could ease the heaviest of burdens. For my conspiracy brothers, Hey There Jim by Jim Bohorn is your song. A jam that lets you know the end is never too far away and to continue to strive as we face life at its thickest. It's a call for unlimited kindness that we all need from time to time. For my can't get right folks, and fellas, I'm talking to a lot of y'all, we have Clean Up Woman by Betty Wright and Clean Up Man by Jimmy Bow. These songs let me know that y'all grannies and granddaddies been trifling, and that relationships have always been hard. So if you got someone you say you care about, give them the love they ask for, or you'll find them in the arms of a clean up woman or man. For my steppers, Gwen McCray is here to move your feet. I had to pick two of her songs, Funky Sensation and All This Love That I'm Giving. These need to be on your summer kickback playlist immediately. The horns and bass lines on these tracks reach their peaks as Gwen's hypnotic voice takes you on a ride you'll never forget. To slow it down just a little bit, we have Wild Wind with Yes I'm Ready, a song about someone who has learned their hard lessons of love and committed to being a better partner. May we know them and may we love them. For a good song to start your day, we have Superstar by Pearly Queens. The, the amazing drums remind us to burn bright like, with our light like the star we are. To send us off, we have All Over Again by Gwen McCray. McCray is one of the many foremothers of Miami funk and soul. She recorded her best music in Miami, giving you all the funk goddess vibes you can take. And like Gwen McCray said, starting all over again is going to be rough on us, but we are going to make it. And that's Thank with DJ Tequesta. Remember to follow us on Instagram at DJ Tequesta to check our newest content and find links on our playlist. And that's D-J-T-E-Q-E-S-T-A. You can also search DJ Tequesta on Spotify and YouTube for the music playlist. The playlist features tracks that showcase the song diversity of each funk scene. For my funk heads, you'll want to check out the playlist on YouTube, which features deep cuts you won't find on other platforms. Enjoy the music till next time. And remember, breathe and listen to fun. It's gonna be hard.